Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Typically Hazardous. This is a podcast about the adventures of our life. Webster's first definition of adventure is, and I quote, an unusual and exciting, typically hazardous experience or activity. That everything that we face in our life that will lead to adventure or to the life we want or we desire will require us to enter into a typically hazardous scenario. We interview and we talk about those typically hazardous things and adventures that are ahead of us. And today is no different. This conversation is a recorded live talk that we did on an event at the bootleg in Los Angeles yesterday, as for when I read this, record this podcast. And it was yesterday and it was a couple hundred of us gathered in this really cool music venue in Silver Lake, a neighborhood in Los Angeles. And I'm super glad that you're joining in. The nature of this conversation is rooted in the relationships in our life related to friendships, related to the way that we relate to strangers, how we relate to people we work with, we know, people we feel like are our soulmates. All of that is covered here in this conversation. So I'm so glad you're with us, and I'm so glad you're part of this live talk, but I don't want you to think that these live talks just sort of happen and then they never happen again. They're monthly. We do these bad boys live once a month somewhere in Los Angeles, and I want you to save the date. So if you enjoy this talk you're listening to, I would love for you to come. They're totally free. There's no VIP or RSVP or anything you have to do. You just show up at 8 p.m. The doors are actually at 7.30. This one is going to be back at the bootleg. We're at the bootleg July 12th, the bootleg theater, 8 p.m., doors at 7.30. There will be a seat for you. We will create really cool, awesome things. This one, in particular, that you're about to hear, we had a painter painting the four images that I described throughout the talk. So as you kind of see it, the video will be released later, but as I want you to imagine that there's a painter painting something beautiful. We had an amazing poet that you'll hear in here too, and then we also had an extraordinary um, musician play at the end. So they're awesome experiences. Would love for you to come out July 12th, the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles. If you're in Phoenix, or San Diego, or San Francisco, or if you're in Colorado, or if you have a plane ticket, or you have miles, fly in, come and hang out with us. It's a total blast. Uh, we had a great time. And on top of that, it's one of my favorite things. It is a typically hazardous experience just for me to go, let's fill a theater in LA. And we do, and have done it. And we're on our seventh or eighth one, and I'd love for you to join us in July. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope you enjoyed this talk, and we will see you later. Check it out. Hi guys! Good evening! And welcome to a typically hazardous live recording. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, raise your hand if it's your first time. You've ever been to one of these? Oh wow, amazing. Okay, welcome. Hi guys. Uh, wait, raise your hand if you're a veteran. Nice. Has anyone been to all of them in Los Angeles? Okay, alright. Okay, okay. That's pretty cool. Well, I'm really, really glad you guys are here. We have quite a journey ahead of us. Um, and tonight is especially exciting because I brought friends, which I'll tell you about in a couple of seconds. Um, but the first thing I want to do is to go through a couple of logistics um, and just tell you guys, you guys dressed up. You guys look beautiful. You really do. All of you. You just look like you really came out. So really great job. <laughs> great job. Um, 
couple of things I need you to know about. There's a few people here that make this whole thing possible and they make it all happen and they make it happen out of the goodness of their soul and their heart. There's a guy in the sound booth named Terrace. Could you give a big shout out to my man Terrace? There's another guy up there named Reed. Could you give a shout out to a guy, Reed? He's so good. There's another guy right here in the middle named Steve Ormsby. Could you give a shout out to Mr. Steve Ormsby? There's another guy with a camera who's going to be wandering around taking pictures. His name is Mason. Can you give a shout out to Mason over here? Thank you. And another guy who produces this whole experience named Colton Simmons. If you can give Colton a round of applause. Thank you. Uh, if you don't get emails from us, this is the most boring thing I'll say all night, I hope. Let, uh, you can sign up to do that right now. Pull out your phone and text 66866 and text the name Hank to 66866 and you'll be given information on how to do that. Sound good? Okay, that's all the boring stuff. Now what I want to do is I want to talk about something we um, need to pause before we continue. I do not want to go ahead as usual without an opportunity for us to pause and create together a moment of silence and a moment of prayer for the heinous and horrible uh, acts that occurred in Orlando about 48 hours ago. Uh, my wife and I were in Italy. If you follow us on Instagram, you were annoyed. Maybe you unfollowed us last week. <laughs> because we, we spammed you with, with the Italian coast. And it happened, and the news cycle hit the whole time we were in the air. So we landed excited from this trip to this devastating news of all the things that had gone on in Orlando. And um, I'm just, I'm tired of that. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, so I just thought we'd pause before we continue for this really fun and awesome thing to just pause and pray together and pray for the families of those who've been who were lost and pray for those who are wounded and those recovering and those who um, are afraid when they go into nightclubs and movie theaters and shopping malls uh, and Walmarts earlier today in Texas. So let's, let's take a moment and pause and then I'll pray together and then we will continue in their honor. God, we pause here in silence, putting a stop to our speedy lives to just ask that you would move in South Florida. We pray for three really clear things. We pray for justice for those who are part of these kinds of heinous events. God, we pray for healing for those who've been hurt. And we pray, God, for comfort for those who've lost their loved ones. And God, together, we just cry out to you and say, we are sick of this stuff. And we pray that we would heal together as a people of the sickness that has derailed us. So in this moment of silence, we pray for healing. And we ask that tonight would be in honor of those who have been lost, that together we may heal the world through love. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, today is the beginning of a three-part series that might, what will happen randomly or at different times in your life. So just know that at some point you will hear all three of these things. But today is the beginning of what's called Summer Lovin'. Anybody a big fan of summer? Yeah, I love summer. I love summer because everybody's in love. Anybody ever date people just in the summer and then break up in the fall? That was my favorite thing. I was always like, I need a girlfriend. It's, uh, it's June, right? Like a or I just need a crush, or I just need somebody. And you know what's funny? Even friends, you kind of go, geez, summer's coming. I better like make some real friends because I want to make sure I go on trips together. Like the people either, and then there's, it's wedding season. You ever notice that? 
Sometimes I ended up dating people because I just took a girl to the four weddings and you're like, we should probably do this until October. And then, you know, like, you just sort of keep going because in the summers, you're either, like, surrounded by the people you love, you are kissing new people, or you're getting married. I, and so the great thing about summer is that it's such a season of love. Now, the exciting thing is, now some of you are like, I'm not kissing anybody. I'm not, I'm not just, it's okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to talk today about one of the fundamental elements of love, which is friendship. We're going to talk today about the base level of friendship that exists in all the different layers and pieces of love, but how to and where to and different elements and places of friendship. We're going to dive into that quagmire that is the human relationships and love. Are you good with that? We're going to go a couple of different places. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. In a second, one of my favorite poets in the whole entire world, who's had a huge impact on my even personal life, named Natalie Patterson, is about to drop some heat on us. Then what's going to happen is we're going to talk about porcupines, and then we're going to talk about bumblebees, and then we're going to talk about coyotes, and then we're going to talk a little bit about owls, and then we're going to talk about you, and then we're going to talk about me, and then we're going to talk about Jesus, and then we're going to heal the world together. Does that sound good? That's our plan for tonight. So what I'd love for you to do is please welcome the poet, the most amazing, natalieispoetry.com, and please welcome Natalie Patterson as she comes to drop some heat on us and calibrate our evening. Hello. Oh, you can talk back to me. Like, don't, don't do that cute stuff. I don't play that. I mean, I do, but I don't. Um, so uh, it's my honor to really be here um, and to talk about friendship. Hank reached out and was like, hey, so just like do a poem about friendship. And I was like, I, I haven't really written that. Um, so I'll work on it. So I did. Um, so, so I share this with you about friendship. Hope you take something. And should you forget, I will be your reminder, will be your backbone, will be your will when you have forgotten what this life is to be lived for. Look for me, my friend. Allow me to be the light you follow. See, every friend I've ever had has saved me from something I thought in life would kill me has sung my praises into the world when it has denied me. Every friend I've ever had has loved me beyond what I could even comprehend, has been the thing that made me see myself when I hadn't yet. Every friend is a mirror. And sometimes that reflection is breathtaking, is laughter in my most favorite melody, is, is water from my thirsty heart. And other times, well, other times that reflection is dusty covered in bullshit, covert communication, hauntingly cryptic in that. That I need to see too. A reflection so ugly I adjust quickly. That too is friendship. And the way I've ever met anyone I'd soon love is always the same. The instant click. Ain't no friendship ever come to me through force. Friendship is home to me. And often, often I think of every faded friendship, every person no longer on this journey with me, folks that went in a direction I couldn't join them on. I carry their laughter with me, their wisdom. Pray their path is one of plenty, but, but I will let go. We'll head in a direction that calls me. I will be grateful and renewed by all their friendship has given me, but I will go. And that doesn't make me less loyal. That makes me a seeker of truth, makes me trust the feeling in my gut must follow my passion home. See, friendship is home. The one you find on your own, 
move into, furnish, the kind you protect. Get damn mad when folks make a mess in it. The kind you lock all the doors and stay inside with, curled up on the couch eating ice cream, telling all your secrets to it. Friends are the life jacket God gives us, the language. We will always understand the hand and shoulder and wallet when ours sometimes fail. I suppose, I suppose I was my first best friend and all others will be compared to that standard, that stubborn, that loyal CI and my own best friend. So, so if you're trying to get down with this tribe, you better be made of integrity and faith and love and generosity, forgiveness and a past. You have made it through. See, see my best friends are 4 a.m. tired but talking. 4 a.m. drives because you called, sounded funny on the phone. I am here, outside, won't leave till you come out, till I know you're okay, till I see your face, because the truth, see, it's in your face. Tough conversations spoken with love, with clarification, with, with you being mad is cool, but I'm going to call tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day till you pick up because you are my person. My, when it all falls to shit, you will remind me what we are living for. This is friendship documented in photographs and memories in the amount of secrets only you know. Documented in how many crushes you can count back about how many fades, how many fads we have finally made it through. See, this, this is the glory of friendship. And who would I be without these hands outstretched, without the hands that have held me, this chosen family you have become, the glory around my birthday table. This, this is the only real in the chase that we call living. I think that set us up just perfectly, don't you? What a beautiful set of words, Natalie. That was awesome. Well, I hope tonight that I can give you a conversation that is either insightful or brave, and if I do my job right, it'll be both. But if I don't, then you'll know at least what I tried to do, okay? Because we have to talk tonight about the paradox of friendship. See, friendship is this really, really cruel paradox because friendship is something that you need in order to get have you ever noticed that if a person is really desperate for friends, that's the person you tend to avoid? That if you don't have friends, then it's really hard to get friends. And when you have a bunch of friends, then a lot of people want to also be your friend. But when you don't have a friend and it's the very thing that you actually need, people can smell it on your breath and they avoid you. Ever notice that? See, the crazy thing about friendship is that it's not only something that's important for the quality of life, but it's also something that's important for the health of your life. See, the quality of life is easy to spot. If somebody's feed is completely full of solo selfies, you know that there's something wrong. Because there wasn't even somebody with them to take that picture for them. See, there's something about that that is just going, notice me, notice me, notice me, notice me, please. And I want the group selfie. How about you? See, there's people in my life that have had such an extraordinary impact in my life. And sometimes I've, I say their name out loud because they've just had an extraordinary impact on my life. And I miss them even when I'm not calling or even when I don't write them letters or whatever. I just think and tell a whole story in the car all by myself about this thing that happened with this person that I miss so much and like, I care about. Do you have those people in your life? The friends that have been a part of your life, do you have those people in your world? If you have a person in your life that you go, this is just like, this person has been like a friend to me. 
and their friendship has meant so much and it has brought quality into my life. I just want you to like say their name out loud. Ready? Set, go. Do you have another friend? Do you have a second one? Ready? I just want you to say their name out loud. Go. And do you have a third one? Say a third name. Go. Do you guys have another name? Go. Are there another name? Go. There are people somewhere saying your name out loud because you had an impact and you had a touch on their life. See, friendship is just essential to the enjoyment and to the excitement and to the quality of life. But you know what's also important? Is that human beings are the most neurologically dependent creatures on the planet. We're the most neurologically dependent creatures on the planet because there's no other animal on the planet that has a brain our size. And they discovered in 2013, or published in 2013, that your and I, the size of our brain is an indicator that we are essentially wired for social interaction. And that you can tell in the animal kingdom, every single animal, the size of their brain depends on how much they need to interact socially. We have the biggest brains. We use the most space of any other animal in the kingdom. And you and I, our health fails, our intelligence plummets, and our neurological activity decreases the less we interact with other human beings. Isn't that terrible? So no pressure, but the friends in your life will determine your, the longevity of your mental health, your neurological activity, and your physical health. Because if you don't have those things, it starts to plummet. And there again is the cruel paradox of friendship. Because if you don't have people in your life and you need them, you start to get sad. Anybody ever been in that place? When you don't have those people and you start to get sad and you might even get a tinsy bit depressed and you start to get into that place and the less you are around people, which tends to happen when you get sad, you kind of pull away a little bit. And when you pull away, away a little bit, your neurological capacities kind of diminish a little bit and then your health starts to fail and then you actually create an aura around you that's negative, that people want to be around less. And so the very thing that you need, you are starting to repel from yourself because of the way your body functions. But see, in the scriptures, in Genesis, you hear these words. It is not good for man to be what? Alone. It's not good for, good for man to be alone. There's this passage in Ecclesiastes that is just as, as specific. It says this, two are better than what? One, because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strand is not quickly broken. We need friends to survive. You and I need friends to survive this long and beautiful life. This is the most important thing to your neurology, is understanding the importance of the human relationships in our life. But we have a problem. Our world is dying of loneliness. We're lonely because we're busy. We're lonely because we're guarded. We're lonely because we're picky. We're lonely because we've been hurt. We're lonely because we've been wounded. We're lonely because we're protecting ourselves. We're lonely because we've had kids and now that's just too much time. We're lonely because we've traveled and we're new and we've got a lot going on. We're lonely because we're career focused and we're dying of loneliness and it's affecting our souls and it's affecting our brains and it's affecting all of our bodies. So what we have to do together what we have to do in this world is we have to hack this paradox and break it apart so that you and I, we live in a world where people are interconnected. We have to break this part and live in a world where you and I are connected to each other for the sake of the health of your body, the health of your soul, and the health of our societies. So are you with me if we hack a little paradox here? Yeah, can we hack some paradox tonight? Wonderful. Okay, the way we're going to do that is we're going to have to learn from the porcupines. Okay, how many people love porcupines? Yeah, how many people have ever seen a porcupine? Yeah, porcupines in real life, they're just this frightening bundle of needles that just sort of wanders around. It looks a little like a raccoon that could kill you, essentially. That's a, 
what they look like. The crazy thing about porcupines is there's this thing called the porcupine theory. The porcupine theory is crazy because what happens with the porcupines is they get cold because they wander around by themselves. So then they bundle together with other porcupines, and when they do, their needles actually impact each other. So when porcupines gather together because of their needles, they puncture each other and they cause each other to bleed. When that happens, then they pull away from each other. But then they start getting cold again, and now they're bleeding. So they bundle back together again, and then they puncture each other, and then they pull back away again. And then the porcupines who don't learn, they just go away and they say, that's not worth it, and they die freezing and alone. See, the porcupine paradox is the paradox of that cruel friendship thing we talked about a second ago. Is that throughout our lives, we get to be the same way. Where we say, but I've been punctured and I've been hurt, so I'm just going to stand out here by myself and watch people from a distance. And you'll be cold, and you'll be alone. And it's not good for your brain, your body, or your soul, and it's not how God put you on this planet. And so we take a deep breath and we go, yeah, check this out. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to need people and you're going to get just close enough to people. And then you're going to get punctured. How many people have ever been punctured by another human being? Anybody ever do any puncturing? <laughs> yeah. There's someone in some room raising their hand being like, Hank just ruined everything for a whole year of my life. We dated for a summer. He broke up with me in October. There's somebody <laughs> complaining about me. There's somebody complaining about us. But here's what's going to happen. You will be punctured. Those friendships and those relationships and the people that you need, they're going to hurt you. You're going to be punctured somewhere in some space, and so I need you to do this with me, is I need you to take a deep breath and just believe that you will survive that, that you will survive that puncturing, and it's more important for you to stay close than it is for you to wander off and try to not let the needles touch you ever again. That we have to take a deep breath and realize that there's this crazy balance necessary for all of us to survive. Because if you rely on people for your happiness, you will always be disappointed. And friendships become like stars, that the more you stare at them and the more you try to find them, the more they seem to disappear out of sight. But it actually becomes this awareness that you have to find this balance of being self-sufficient and then also find the balance of being vulnerable and being willing to be punctured by the people that you've let into your life. That balance is what we're going to talk about right now. So we've got to talk about some other animals, but I want you to keep porcupines in the front of your mind. Everybody say porcupines. Yeah, we got to keep, we got to remind me of the porcupines. We don't have a lot of porcupines in Los Angeles, but I have a feeling we're going to be thinking about them for the long time. Aristotle, one of the greatest minds to ever put words down on paper that explained society and explained the world, he described that there were three forms of friendship. That's what I want us to talk about tonight, is that there's three really important forms of friendship, and we're going to put animals around them just so we can remember them forever. You good with that? And hopefully, if I do my job right, I'll ruin those animals forever, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, Hank, you made me think of that Aristotle. Again, every time you see this animal any, any place, or on a, on a t-shirt, or anywhere in the wild, or when you're watching the Nature Channel, when you're alone and afraid, you can watch the Nature Channel, and you'll see it, and you'll go, oh, I remember, yeah, this is... The reminder, the, the first form of friendship that Aristotle described was the friendship of utility. This is the, what we're going to call tonight, we're going to call it the bumblebee. The bumblebee is a friendship that is built around our ability to accomplish something together. We have the same mission. We have the same goal. We have the same thing we're doing. These are people that you work with. These are people that you environmentally are connected to. These are people that whenever you're doing something or you're working with or you're accomplishing something together, you're bumping elbows with these people. You know what's crazy about bees is that they work together for the same goal, sometimes without even saying words to each other. They're not communicating in any way. They just know what the other is doing. And I'm convinced that the people who described bees or the people who identified bees had to be a woman. Had to be a woman who decided this, okay? Who decided what to call bees. Ladies, I know you're getting sensitive. Okay, hold on a second. 
but it'll make sense in a second. Did you know that there are, there are really only two types of bees? There are queens and there are unmated males, okay? Let me tell you, did you know what an unmated male bee is called? A drone. Ladies, play with this for a second. There's a queen and then there are thousands of drones that do all the work for her until she chooses one and mates with it. I think a lady came up with that system or that practice. That, those, that, that, that biological naming. But these drones, these bees work together for utility. See, there are people in your life right now who you are in a bumblebee type relationship with. You have bumblebees in your life. These are people that you move together with and you're just accomplishing something together. And the minute that aim changes, then it's perhaps that that's the thing that's gonna change everything and that relationship may no longer be necessary. Or it may survive that environment or that utility that may just be the touching point. My wife and I, we started sending our daughter to this preschool that has turned out extraordinary sanctuary of childhood. And the families, as a part of that preschool, we are bumblebees together. Never met each other in our entire lives, and all of a sudden, these families can look at each other, and then we, can, we know exactly what's going on. We know what's happening, and we know about the kids, and we have the schedule, and we have a whole thing, and there's a culture, and we just get it, and we maybe have not spent more than seven minutes together alone without a child running around or throwing up or, or peeing on himself or whatever, but we get it, and guess why? Because we're bumblebees. We have the same aim. We have these precious little kids, and we have these precious little children, and our goal is to make sure that their childhood is the most beautiful and wonderful childhood possible. And we are little worker bees, making sure that they're protected and that they don't make the mistakes we made and that they find love and that they believe in themselves and that they know what's going on. We're worker bees because we're working towards this aim, towards this goal. And that's why you can, you know parents, if when you send your kids to preschool, it's the craziest couple years. Because all of a sudden you're going to see these people and be like, that's, those are preschool friends. They know. Because you're together in this mission. See, there are some of you here, you have bumblebee friends. And when it comes to those bumblebee friends, you're connected in that way. Now, there's another layer of friendship that goes. You have those util friends of utility. You have so many of them. It's people that you work with. It's people that you run around with. It's people that you know. We do this together. The second layer of friendship and another form of friendship that Aristotle described is a friendship of pleasure. This would be best described for our purposes tonight as a coyote. Now, anybody see coyotes anywhere in Los Angeles? Okay, how many, ever, how, many, how many people have ever seen a coyote completely by themselves? Yes, how many people have ever seen a pack of coyotes and jumped in your car and locked the doors? <laughs> in my neighborhood, we live in the hills, and in my neighborhood in the hills, there are coyotes everywhere, and sometimes we walk around and I just go, oh, they could take me out, there's enough of them now. One coyote and you're like, oh, shoe fly, shoe. 30 coyotes and you're like, I should get on top of a house or something <laughs> to hide from this. You know, what's crazy about coyotes is they can fully survive on their own. They can accomplish things on their own. They can eat on their own. They can live on their own. They can do everything. You know why they move in groups of 30? Because they want to. Not because they need to. Not because they need to to survive. And you know when they're chirping and yelping, anybody burning in the hills and you can hear them hunting like a rabbit or like playing with a neighborhood dog? It's super morbid and gross, but it's also natural and God made it that way and stuff. So. So the vegans are like, no, and it's like, well, they, they don't know, you know, they don't, they haven't, they haven't gone to Gracias Madre, they know that, that there's a better way, you know, they don't know that yet. But you know how they're like playing with dogs, you know they do that for fun? They don't need to. A group of 30 coyotes is not necessary in nature, it's not necessary even for each other. They hunt for fun, they run around like crazy and yelp and chirp and do all this kind of stuff for fun, for pleasure. See, for you and me, we're like coyotes. 
You don't need each other for any survival reason. Even C.S. Lewis said that friendship has no survival value whatsoever. That there's this certain type of friendship where you just go, I just like being around you. I just like you in the room. We don't even really have to say words to each other. Do you have people like this in your life? Where you just go, it's just pleasure. It's just, I just need you around. I have a, this, I have a friend who's my coyote. His name is Travis. I need, every three months, I need some kind of road trip with Travis just to be mentally balanced and okay. I just need a person, I just need to be around him. I have other people in my life. I used to, when I was in college, I had this friend named Chad. And when I had this friend named Chad in college, we had this thing every Thursday night, we would watch Friends together. I would, but that's all we would do. That was the basis of our entire friendship. We were sitting in class and like I was watching Friends during class because this is like right when laptops came out. And I was watching episodes of these friends. He's like, dude, I love Friends. I was like, me too. And he's like, we should watch it together. I was like, just, just give me your address. No exaggeration. I would walk into his house. He would hand me a beverage. I would sit down, watch Friends, and then we would fist pound. And I would say, I'll see you next week. That was it. I just liked the guy. And we had like a thing that we did to... He just had this thing. I, I had no expectations of Chad outside of that. I haven't talked to Chad in 10 years. But every time I see like a friend's thing or like hear the song, like, how's the song go? Oh, some of you know it. Okay. I think of Chad. It's like, oh man, we both had a crush on, on, on what's her name? Rachel, oh my gosh, of course. So it was all, that, those were, that was my friend of pleasure. There are people like that in your life. And you know what? We have to realize that there are coyotes in our life and we just need to call it out and say, we're going to watch friends together and have no other expectations on each other's lives. Does that feel good? Like, you just have to give yourself permission to say, there are people in my life I enjoy. You know, in all of the things that I've tried to accomplish in my life, what I've missed out most on is I've forgotten sometimes that you just need coyotes in your life that you just go, let's just run around together and let's torment some neighborhood dogs. Like, not really, actually. I mean, like, coyotes would say that to each other. Let's go and let's just do something fun and ridiculous. See, we all need coyotes in our lives, and we have those people. And sometimes what you can do is you can meet people because you're both bumblebees on the same aim. And then when you're meeting those people in that place, then what you got to do is then you got to go, hey, do you want to just go do something stupid that makes no logical sense in the world? And because you just want them around. And you know what? Some, some, some of those people are going to say no, and they're going to reject you. But guess what? If they're really coyotes, then you want to watch them anyway. So you keep following them on Instagram. You go, it's cool, it's cool. Can you comment on everything? And you just go, I love your trip to Italy. It looks amazing. And then you just keep saying those things. And you just go, I'm just going to watch your life. And it's going to be amazing because maybe it's okay if a person, you're not their coyote. And you take a deep breath and you go, but you're my coyote. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch you every day. You know, like, in a, hopefully you open Snapchat and then I'm going to send you an invitation, an invitation, an invitation. But just pick those people and go, hey, these are my people. These are the coyotes in my life. See, every so often, you can move from being a bumblebee in a person's life to just be a coyote and say, there's no survival value to our relationship, but it's just, we're just going to enjoy each other. In the, in the scriptures, there's this letter that was written to the Philippians by a guy named Paul. And he starts out the letter where he says, I thank God every time I think of you. I thank God every time I, that's your, those are your coyote people. There's this other category, this, this third category of animal. And this is the rarest kind. This third form of friendship that Aristotle described and Cicero commented on and St. Augustine referred to, and it seemed to almost haunt the early thinkers of the world. This form of friendship called the friendship of excellence, which we're going to call an owl. 
A friendship of excellence was this rare and what Cicero described as a friendship that could only be discovered and not made. See, what's interesting about a friendship of excellence is it evolved into what St. Augustine called a spiritual friendship. One where you met a person and your soul just spoke out loud, oh, there you are. I've been looking for you this whole time. The moment where you pause and you just go, oh, this is a family member. This is my, what Cicero described, my other self. You, the, the you. It's like you know each other. Anybody ever travel abroad for a long period of time? I went to China when I was in high school for three weeks. And when you're in China in high school for three weeks and you're a six-foot-tall white man, you stand out and everyone stares at you. But it's really, really hard to find people who spoke English because we were teaching English, so by very nature, I was surrounded by people who were learning English, but I couldn't find somebody who could just I, I just... I just I just wanted to find a person who I could just speak with clearly and fast and we could understand each other. And I had like these three weeks and about two and a half weeks in, I met this guy at a pizza hut because I just needed some pizza. Which I, if, if, you're, if I ever travel internationally, you can just, and I disappear or something, just look for the pizza places. That's probably where I got lost or mugged or found. And I'll be in there because I just try to find the pizza. And I went into this pizza hut and I heard this guy order in English. And I just looked over at him and I just go, can you just talk to me for like 15 minutes? Can we just talk about anything? And he's like, what, what's going on? He's like laughing and he's like on spring break or something. He's like, what do, you, what do you mean? I was like, I will buy your pizza if you will talk to me this whole time. Because I just needed a person who that I could just take a deep breath wish. And he lived, was from Detroit and was coming here to visit in-laws. And he was just hanging out. And I'm thinking to myself, I would never, ever be your friend any other place in the world. We would just wouldn't interact. We wouldn't cross paths. We wouldn't do that. But right now, you're my very best friend in the world. <laughs> See, without those extreme environments, have you ever found a person like that in your life? They're your owl. They're your person that you... Pause and you go, oh, there you are. They're what the scriptures even describe as a sworn friendship. There was a sworn friendship actually in the early days of the scriptures in Samuel between a guy named David and a guy named Jonathan. And it says that they had a, this sworn friendship, this friendship that was in the understanding of the early days when Aristotle and St. Augustine were talking about it. The understanding was actually this, that a sworn friendship was parallel to a marriage. So I could have a, be married to my wife, but I have a sworn friendship to my friend, and that equaled the commitment that I made to her and to him. The other ways that it was described is a thing like a blood brother. You ever heard of that phrase? A blood brother was described as a person who you would shed blood before you'd watch them die. Or like the great philosopher, Michael Bay put in the movie, <laughs> Bad Boys 2. We're going to ride together, die together, bad boys for life. <laughs> Those are owls. The reason they're owls is because owls are one of the only birds of a few dozen birds and a few dozen animals in the world that mate for life. And you know what's interesting about an owl is when, once an owl has mated and that owl's mate dies, the living owl will actually will itself to death it will dehydrate and it will starve to death and it will lower all of its functions until it passes away. That's a blood relationship, a blood brother. What's so interesting about you and me in this other category, this third category that Augustine describes, this spiritual friendship, this sworn friendship, this friendship of excellence, is that they do exist in our life. 
And whether it's because we're just nervous about opening up enough or that we're like porcupines that are just too afraid to get too close, these people, if you don't already have one, they're all around you and they're, I want to invite you to discover them, to lean in. If you, they're around you and they're possible and they exist in the world and maybe you only have three or four or five in your entire lifespan. Aristotle said a person would be grateful to just have two in their whole life. And maybe for some people, even Homer, what he wrote in the Odyssey is that there was only one for Achilles. That they're all over the place. They're all over literature. They're all over our lives. But whether we were homophobic and we were afraid that if we said that stuff, people would think that we're trying to kiss them or whether it's because we were just too afraid to be vulnerable or whatever it was, we lost that somewhere. But see, what I want to invite you to do is to believe that that sworn friendship, that those owls exist out there. See, for me, my owl moment actually came when I met Sue Ann for the first time. When I met her for the first time, I can't describe for you how uh, like everything zoned out and it was like this little spotlight right in the area of her face. You know when, they, when, it, when, the, when the actor turns the light off, the actors, you're here, you know, you turn the light off and all of a sudden this light, like this tiny little blade of light just hits their eyes and it's like, oh, they look so good. That happened to me when I started talking to Sue Ann. And it was as if while I was having a conversation with her, all I could think about was, oh, there you are. And Sue Ann and I, if you know our relationship, we were friends for four years before we were married. And I, all I could think about was, all I wanted to do was, uh, if there were a bunch of people at tables hanging out, I needed to be at the table that she was at so that my presence there counted. I just needed to be close to her. See, a marriage, it's interesting. Anybody here married by a show of noise? Okay, awesome, awesome. A lot of ladies making the sound there, fellas. Okay, but here's the interesting thing, is your marriage can actually go through all the different stages at different times. Sometimes, with my wife and I having a four-year-old and a one-year-old, we are just bumblebees and we are just trying to stay alive. I am a drone, she is the queen, and we are just making honey, okay? That is, the, that is our whole relationship. And other times, when we're gallivanting around the Amalfi Coast, we are like coyotes. We don't need each other, we could go do our own thing, but we're just having a blast and we're drowning in espresso and gelato and, of course, pizza. But there's other times where you find your owl and that you cultivate that. See, for you and me, these three forms of relationship are really important. Because what we have to do is we have to talk about a couple of different things. First, we have to talk about you, and then we gotta talk about me, and then we gotta move on to talk about kind of some things that Jesus talked about with our world. First thing is, well, I guess we'll talk about me first. You know, there's been times in my life where I've been stuck in this place, stuck in this moment, um, where I was not good, according to the book of Genesis. Because I just felt, solely and completely alone. Have you ever been there? Where I just felt like I was, I was surrounded by people, but I was drowning out, and I was tired of the bumblebee life, and I was tired of being a utility for people, and I questioned if I was even useful. And I can remember writing this window, and I have friends who are here who will remember this season of my life. When I was feeling so alone, and I was in that dark place, I would sit on a recliner, and I would smoke bad cigars, and I would watch reruns of the Grey's Anatomy series. And I would just watch it. I know, so you know, you know. And I would just watch episode after episode after episode. And then I would watch The Bodyguard like over and over. And then I would watch The Notebook like over and over. And I would just be like, I'm just so alone. And I was just wallowing. And I can remember being in that place and like sitting on like this little porch. I didn't even have like a backyard. I was sitting on a porch of a second story apartment just crammed in, in this little thing with a laptop open and this little cigar that's disgusting. They're disgusting. And, a, and then drinking like root beer or something and then watching Grey's Anatomy and just 
just crying, you know? Shonda got me. She, and, I, and, I'm, and I was in this space, and there's so many times where I look back, and I just go, I wish I could have sent somebody back to me. I wish I could have sent somebody, and if I sent you back to me, if I got to send you back to me, I would say, I wish you would lean over me on my 13th time watching The Bodyguard. And I wish you would lean over me and just say, you have to be about something else. See, like a porcupine, what C.S. Lewis describes is the best friendships are curated when the aim is something else. The best friendships are developed when the aim is about something else, when you're for something else. And I remember having the thought, I want to fall in love. Have you ever thought that? I want to fall in love. When you say that out loud to a group of people, they freak out. I just want you to know, don't put that on your Tinder profile or anything like that. That is just craziness. And I would just say things and I would go on these dates and there were these people and just be like, I don't want to party. I don't want to do anything stupid. I just want to fall in love. And it would be like, hello, are you still there? I, they were gone. But see, here's the deal. We're like that sometimes when we start to feel alone is you don't want to put yourself there and say, I need friends, I need friends, I need friends. And so what we have to do is we have to be about something else. I wish you could lean over me as I was stuck in that space and just go, you need to be about something else. You may feel alone, but there's people who are more alone. Serve them. You may feel alone and you may feel like you need to do. You want to fall in love or you want to find people or you need to find that other aim. C.S. Lewis said the friendships that are developed the best are developed when there is another aim, when there is a common goal. You got to get some bumblebees in your life. And then you got to find your coyotes. And then you got to move to the place where you're just watching and spotting for owls. If you know anything about owls, you can't trap them or keep them or find them, and you don't know where they're going to go. You just, what Cicero described, you just discover them. See, so for you and me, what I wish you could go back and tell me is that I had to be out something else. I have to find that self-sustaining space where I make a happiness out of the way I serve other people and watch how friendship comes. So if you're here tonight and you're here and you go, where do I, how do I engage that? How do I start out? Where do I find my bumblebees? What do I do? You have to be about something else. You have to be functionally about something else and you will make happiness happen and you will meet bumblebees. And then you will lean over and say, do you want to go do something ridiculously unproductive? And when you find those coyotes, then you just hold on to them and you run around and you do all these things in your best, most porcupine. I'm going to try not to prick you, but if I do, I'll forgive you kind of way. See, I wish you could go back and tell me that stuff. But if you're here tonight and you're here and you're like, okay, what do I actually do? Then let's talk about you for a second. If you're here and you go, okay, I got bumblebees in my life. I got this bumblebee thing. What I want you to invite you to do is I want you to invest in your little bumblebee hive that you have. Your bay hive, okay? Can you do that with me? You, I had to say that. I, it just came to me and I didn't mean to and I should have not. And you're going to forgive me for that. There's a, it's all over the Bible to forgive. So here's the thing. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to, Invest in your bees, the bees in your life. You know what bees need? Is I just want you to think about honey. They need sweet things. Find all the people that you have a common aim with that are friendships of utility and make their life easier. Make their life better. Find ways to add value to their life that just cost them nothing. C.S. Lewis always also described about friendship. He said, of course friends are with you in the dark times. The beauty of friendship is that they were with you in the dark times and it doesn't matter in the light times. They expect nothing back. They expect nothing else of you. Find the bees in your life and just contribute, 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 give, 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 serve, 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 and watch how you'll have more bees in your life than you ever needed. And you'll just say, I have so many of these people. Be of service and be utility to them. If you have coyotes in your life, you, you know how to make a coyote happy. You just have ridiculous, meaningless fun with as many people as you can.
Find people in your life and make a happiness with them. You just brainstorm this with groups of people. What ridiculous fun thing could we do that has no value to anyone's life, but it will just be amazing? Let's do these things. Let's create these things. Let's brainstorm these things of what they could be. And then invite your bumblebees in your life to maybe step into that coyote category. Find those people and just make things that are happy. And require nothing more of them and just go, this is maybe as far as we go. And when bumblebees are stingy and they just want you to be a utility in their life and they don't want to be one of your coyotes, let them be. And then when they start hearing all the chirps and all the yelps of all the f- crazy fun you're having, they're going to be like, hey, how, can I, how, do I get, how do I get in that group? Boo. <laughs> and then there's this third category. If you have your, an owl in your life, hold on to them for dear life. And love them and care for them and don't take them for granted for a second. Have that conversation. Invite them to say, yeah, I think we're sworn friends. You want to go chase dogs or whatever? Like, <laughs> and then you can let it go. You can invite people into that conversation. To go, there's people in my life that I'm just going to go, we're, we're going to ride together, die together, bad boys for life. I'm in a weird place right now because uh, one of my bad boys for life, I have a few. Uh, he's just gone. He's in his own world. He's in his own career. He's in his own, with his own love life and his own thing happening. Um, and it'd be really easy to be like, oh, okay, well, that was a season that's over. But it doesn't count if it's just a season that's just gone. You got to go, now nah, we're bad boys for life. That blood brother sworn friendship thing means you get to move away. You get to go be, you get to go be in your own little vortex of your own life. You get to go do your own thing. They're like what Natalie described is you get to be rude to me and you get to be mean and you get to say we're done and I'm just going to keep calling and calling and calling and commenting and commenting and texting and I'm going to send you a meme I found and another meme I found and another thing I found and I'm going to let you know that I'm not letting you go. That's what I want to invite you to be. To hold on to those owls in your life. And you might be here and you might go, yeah, I just don't know if they exist. I just don't believe that they're out there. But it, it all begins with the bumblebees. It all begins with having a common aim where you say, this is a thing I'm passionate about, a thing I love, a thing I'm accomplishing, a thing we're doing together. And you start investing in the bumblebees. And then watch how the coyotes start to surface. And then pay attention because owls can only be discovered. They can't be created. See, the last thing I want to talk to you about is, is the words of Jesus. See, what Jesus described is he kind of was a broken record. What was annoying about Jesus is he was constantly talking about this thing called love. They wanted him to be the Messiah that overthrew the government and sat on a throne and took over. And he just kept saying, now you're going to do this thing. You're going to love your neighbors. And they said, you're not only going to love your neighbors, I'm going to have you love your enemies. And he said, and then I want you to love God, and then I want you to love your friends. And he had this phrase where he described, started, started confusing people in a very crazy way. He confused people because he talked about friendship the way people talked about marriage. He was talking about sworn friendship. He talked about friendship the way people talked about marriage. He said there's friends and there's neighbors and there's people. And he covered pretty much everybody by saying you have to love your neighbors and then you have to love your friends and then you love your enemies and you love God. That, that left no room to unlove somebody. And then what Jesus did is then he gets around with his friends and he says this phrase. He says, greater love has no man than this who would lay down his life for his friends. And he ups the ante, and then he does this thing called communion. Anybody ever taken communion? Yeah, he does this thing called communion where he takes a piece of bread, and he takes a cup, and it represents his body, and it represents his blood, and then he hands it to them. In the Jewish tradition, to hand another person a glass of wine when you've taken a sip and handed it to them was proposal of marriage. 
That's how you proposed. If you were a young Jewish boy who wanted to propose to a woman, you brought a glass of wine over to her house, took a sip, and then handed it to her and said, this will be a covenant of blood that we are together, that we'll be, we're committed to be married. So he gathers his buddies around, his friends, his followers, and he goes, I'm just going to take a little sip of this, and then I'm going to hand you one. And they're looking around going, is he proposing to all of us at once? Because he was inviting them into a parallel relationship called a sworn friendship. But that broken record... It just never stops spinning. Love your neighbors, love your enemies, love your friends. Love your neighbors, love your enemies, love your friends. Love your neighbors, love your enemies, love your friends. When Orlando happens and every time there's one of these shootings, it absolutely ruins me. It absolutely wrecks me. And I'm mad and I'm frustrated and I wish ways that people didn't have access to weapons and didn't have ways that they could just walk into places and it wasn't so obviously so easy and it wasn't so common and it happens every day. And while I was in Italy, it happened 12 times in the week we were gone, eight of which involved the deaths of innocent people. Twice it happened in Orlando, just while we were on vacation. And when I travel abroad and when I go to different places, I have Australians sitting across flat whites with me and looking me in the face and going, why do Americans care so much about having their guns? And what I keep saying is that the guns are the weapon, but the sickness is something else. See, for us, I hope that we figure out a way to solve this gun problem. I just don't know how. I don't know how to get to Washington, D.C., and I don't know how to fix that, and I don't know how to accomplish that, and I don't know how to lobby, and I don't know who's fighting it. I don't know why common sense things are not already done. I don't know why it's like still a thing. How is this thing, I keep wondering. And every single day, you expect, after a big shooting of the largest mass shooting in human history in the United States, which is a window of time, the history of the United States, and nothing is gonna happen. We're going to get angry, but every other single thing, nothing ends up happening. But you know what could happen, and you know what should happen, is we have control of bringing love into the lives of all the people who are sick on the inside. We have the capacity, you and me, to heal what's broken all around us. Because there are people all around us who are isolating. There are people all around us. They are, every human on our planet, the most neurologically dependent humans. And when Jesus was saying, love your neighbors and love your friends and love your enemies, what he's saying is they all actually need love at a neurological level. And when they don't, they get sick and they hurt people. So for you and me, I want to invite you to join me in a world healing, how do we change the world kind of way. And yes, if someone here knows how to lobby, we'll all support you and we'll donate and we'll figure out ways to solve that problem at the legal level. But I don't know how to solve the problem at the legal levels. What I do know is that you can change a person's life when you do tiny little small things and you love on people who are seemingly unlovable and even people you kind of hate a little bit. So if you're here tonight, I want to give you a couple examples. Some of you are here tonight and I want to invite you to step outside yourself and do loving, kind acts to people that you dislike or people that you avoid or people that you've trained your brain to ignore. So it's been Gay Pride Week. So some of you are here and it's crazy to have like a guy dressed up as a woman in a coffee shop and he's talking to you and his nipples are showing or something's crazy happening and you're looking around. Well, you know what I want you to do is if that's the person that you go, this makes me uncomfortable, I want you to walk over and I want you to give that person a hug. They will hug you. I'm serious. I want you to walk over and I want you to be kind. I want you to buy that person coffee. I want you to move towards that person that you most avoid, and I want you to find smiles. There are people in your neighborhood, places. I talked to a guy this morning who looked at me and said, I'm so glad Donald Trump is going to stop letting Muslims in the country. And I just thought, it, oh, is this 2016? He goes, yeah, 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 all the shootings and all the stuff. I'm just so glad that that's happening. So there are some of you that might have that somewhere deep inside. You might have those same thoughts. 
And so when you see a person, like the person who did the shooting, when you see a person who looks a lot like that person, when you see a person you want to stereotype or that you want to bring, I want you to just walk up to them and do something kind and do something loving. You might even be here, and, and this may be more likely, the person that you can't stand is a, is a beard-wearing, gun-toting, Trump hat-wearing hillbilly. And you just go, man. And he's talking about killing animals and eating them, and he might be talking about how Trump is the man, and he might talk about how America is coming back. You probably know these people. And these rednecks are kind of everywhere. Have you noticed that? And some of you are like, yeah, I can't stand those ignorant those ignorant, uncultured people. You know what I want you to do? I want you to buy those people coffee. And I want you to give them a big hug, and I want you to be kind, and I want you to be loving to them too. And there's probably out there somewhere, there's like a weird paradox of all those. There's a gun-toting, Trump-loving, gay hillbilly out there who can't figure out what, where he fits in the world. And I want you to love that person too. And I want you to step out, and I want you to just keep moving, and I want all of us to just keep loving people. And I don't, you don't need to do anything wild and crazy. You don't need to give a person a home. You don't need to do things that are big and extraordinary. I want you to do tiny little small things. Because you know what we know about life? Is that loving your neighbor sometimes just involves a smile and a coffee and a wave. And I'm going to remember your name because you're a human being and you live on the same planet I do. It just requires these tiny little small things. Here's what I want to ask you. Is it tonight, would you go with me and just decide that I'm going to do one tiny little small thing to every stranger that I meet and every person that's in my life? The small thing that costs me nothing, that takes nothing from me, but it's going to be eye contact and a smile and I'm going to have an effect on their brain and have an effect on their soul and have an effect on who they are. See, the way we alter and the way we shift and the way we start to heal is that you and I decide that love is the only answer for all that chaos and that we are going to have to be people, worker bees together to create a world where love is the glue that sticks us all together and a person who's got these dark thoughts and these sick things happening inside them doesn't matter how much access to what they have because someone's covered their life in love and that stops being a good option to hurt other people. That's what I want to invite you to do with me. Will you go with me this? Will you create this world with me? Will you create this world with me? That's a real question. Will you create this world with me? Will you bumblebee with me? Will you choose small things right now for the next five seconds? I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and say, what are the five small things you can do that are the tiniest things in the world that you could do to bring a little bit of love to your neighbors, your friends, and your enemies. Just five seconds, everyone close your eyes and just reflect here. What are five small things? What are the tiniest things you could do for five seconds? All it takes is little small things. Can you open your eyes? Let's take those small things into our life and let's be bumblebees together. Let's lean in together. And let's find beautiful ways to create a world where love is the thing that heals. And let's love on those bumblebees in your life. And let's find some coyotes. And let's do ridiculously unproductive and unutilized things in the world. You up with me? You up with that? And then when you have those owls, let's love on those owls. And for some of you, you just got to get your binoculars out. And you got to pay attention and go, I get to find my owl sometime in my future. I get to find some, an owl sometime in my life. Because what I want for you and what I want for us is I want a world where our friendships and our relationships are so deep and so connected that we're the animals on this planet who have those healthy neurologies. 
because we figured out a way how to love each other in the small and tiny ways every single day. And here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to say a prayer for you, and then we are going to give a rip-roaring, overwhelming, crazy round of applause to this amazing artist right here. But hold on, hold on, don't do that yet. And we're going to pray, and then you can, you can build up all of your spiritual clapping. God, thank you so much for this room of people, for those within the sound of my voice who may be driving in their Prius somewhere in Los Angeles or San Francisco or driving a pickup truck through Texas with a beard and a gun in the back. And God, no matter where a person is when they're hearing these words, I ask that we together would respond to the words that Jesus invited us to. And we love on all those crazy enemies we have. The people we can't stand are the ones we feel opposite of. That we would love on all the bumblebees in our life and the people that we're working on the same aim. That we would love all the coyotes in our life and that you'd give us crazy ideas on how to make life so exciting for them. And God, we just thank you for owls, for those sworn friends who are with us through thick and thin, that we ride together, die together, those bad boys for life. I pray in this room, we would have an impact on the lives and the souls of so many because we chose small, tiny acts of love that healed the world. We pray all this in your name. And together we said, amen. You guys, I cannot articulate enough how grateful I am that I get to do this and that you come here to hear me say words and do these things. And I get that we, I love that we get to create this together. And I'm so grateful for Sebastian for bringing music and Natalie for bringing words and for Rachel for bringing colors on canvases and making animals. And thank you so much. And let's go out and let's find small ways to find a beautiful way to heal the world. All right, my bumblebees. Adios. Take care. We'll see you guys soon. Adios. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope you enjoyed the talk and the words and the thoughts. And I hope for your life that you have an opportunity to step into those bumblebees and those coyotes and those owls and live a little bit like a porcupine. Uh, I'm so glad. I do this thing at the end of the podcast where I tell you what's on my desk. Okay, this is a thing called what's on my desk. So as I'm sitting here in my office, I'm just going to tell you what's on my desk and tell you narrate a little bit about what's on my desk. Hope you don't mind. The first thing is I've got a, uh, this last month's copy of Vanity Fair with the Queen of England and four Welsh corgis on there. That's great. So Vanity Fair, what's interesting about Vanity Fair is last year in October, Adopt Together and World Adoption Day was shouted out in the agenda section of Vanity Fair. It was a total blast. So I have this warm, fuzzy feeling when I see Vanity Fair because they uh, gave us just an unbelievable uh, window to tell our story a little bit in this uh, section of Vanity Fair. So I've got a Vanity Fair. I have a rosary here on the on my desk, which I'll, we'll talk about more in future podcasts, but I got picked up a rosary at the Vatican when I was in Italy last week with my wife. And there's something really cool. In terms of religious symbols, I don't know what kind of religious symbols you use, and I know sometimes they can go too far. Every so often in my life when I pray, I like having something physical, whether it's like a thing that reminds me of the person I'm praying for or whether it's a thing that reminds me of what I'm praying about. I just like to have something physical and I'm, I'm playing around with a rosary and I have one because I was at the Vatican and it was just so beautiful to see that and um, yeah, so I've got my rosary on my desk and then I have a couple of books, a couple of books I'm going to tell you about, two of which are um, relatively inappropriate and then one is really appropriate. So I'll start with the inappropriate ones. The first one is called F Feelings, and that's the F word. So I don't have to call this uh, an explicit podcast. There's a book, a New York Times bestseller, 
by a doctor named Michael L. Bennett and his daughter, Sarah Bennett. Sarah Bennett, what's funny about this book, and I picked it up, I don't know these people personally, but I want to. Uh, he's a therapist, and she was a writer for UCB for years, and they wrote a book called F Feelings, but it spells the word out, F, F word feelings. And what's interesting about it is it goes through all these things. It goes through things like fairness, and it goes through uh, treatment. It goes through serenity and helpfulness and love and communication. And it goes through all these subjects in like really helpful, uh, you can handle your own things kind of way. Uh, I loved the crass hilarity that was a part of it, and I love the really simple, practical, helpful things. I hope someday I can write a book this this helpful. Uh, it's some things that you might read a chapter and you might go, yeah, 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 I already kind of already know that. But when it's all collated like that, it's just really cool. It's called F Feelings. Check it out. It might be worth it. The second book that's inappropriate, not because of language, but second book that's crazy inappropriate, uh, and I shouldn't say that word because it wasn't. it's not really inappropriate. It's a book by... F by Dan Barker called God the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. So I just want you to know that we are going to have some future podcasts because this book was was really interesting to read. He basically goes through all of God's ugly characteristics. And when I say ugly, I mean all the things that are like confusing where people are like, God like really cursed babies and God had people die and then God said things that were really violent and God said things that were really awful and he calls God a, uh, a sexist and calls God like a ethnocentric racist and he calls God a homophobe and goes through all of these things. So I just want you to know that this is going to be coming soon. So if you run into this book or hear this book or someone shows it to you or tells you about it, the reason I like to read books like this that talk about how God sucks is because it really helps me inform what my friends who aren't interested in God are reading and how they're thinking. And so for me, I don't ever want to be talking to a friend who's trying to figure out if God exists and have, and have them ask questions that I have never thought of or I never, I've never processed in my life. I want to make sure that I'm prepared. So I read these books to prepare for the people that I love and to answer their questions. And so some of these like, really are intense. So we're going to get to those in some of the future podcasts where I'm going to find some fun people to respond to these questions. The third book that I have, and this is the last thing I'll tell you about, there's a guy named Chris Marlowe who's the founder of a company or an organization, a nonprofit called Help One Now. And Chris Marlowe has written a book called Doing Good is Simple, Making a Difference Right Where You Are. We are going to have Chris on the podcast as soon as his book launches, which I'm sure is uh, coming pretty soon. But he gave me an advanced copy. and It's just really good. And again, that really simple, simple, practical stuff. Uh, this is not a theology book or a philosophy book. It's a how to do good in your life in small ways kind of book. And I really, really like it. So check it out. And also check out his organization, Help One Now. A bunch of our friends are on the boards of his organization. And we had lunch the other day at the Ace Hotel in uh, downtown Los Angeles. And what a great guy he is. So check out Chris Marlowe's book, Doing Good is Simple. F Feelings, God, the most unpleasant character in all fiction. And uh, Vanity Fair magazine. We're just going to shout out some Vanity Fair. You should... Uh, check out last October's issue if you can get it. And you can find us on like page 76. Not that I remembered that. And, um, you know, when you pray, hold something that reminds you of what you're praying about because it's been really impactful for me lately. So I hope you're wonderful. I hope you're awesome. Guys, thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for being a part of this. If you want to get our emails, just text the number 66866 and text the name Hank to that number to 66866 and you'll be added to our email list. Join us on July the 12th in Los Angeles at the Bootleg Theater. You guys are awesome, and I'm so grateful. If you're hearing these words, I am so, so, so grateful for you, and I'm thankful that you're part of this, and I hope this podcast helps you with all the adventures of your life. Now let's go be typically hazardous.